0: It seems like it all kind of started with an ad for McDonald's back in 1971 when we were told that you deserve a break today at McDonald's. And then in 1973, L'Oreal tried to sell their hair color by saying, because you're worth it. You deserve a hair color that costs maybe a little more because you're worth it. And ever since then, we have been told that we deserve new cars, fancy vacations, a happier and more successful life. We deserve whatever it is someone's trying to sell us, whether we can afford it or not. You ever get tired of hearing advertisers tell you that you deserve something that you really don't? Every
1: time I hear that, I kind of cringe a little. Oh, man.
2: Uh, (laughs) If we all had a dollar for every time a marketing campaign said something about what we're entitled to or what we deserve
0: or what we're owed. On this episode of the Discover the Word podcast, we're going to talk about getting what we deserve about not getting what we deserve and about not deserving what we get. Bill Crowder, Elisa Morgan, Marty Hahn, and Daniel Ryan Day are going to explore what the Bible has to say about the mercy of God. And welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries where we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And in this episode of the podcast, we're exploring together an important characteristic of God in a description of what God is like that we find repeated throughout the Bible. We find it first in Exodus 34, and then it's repeated or quoted well over 10 times in other contexts. God is described as merciful and gracious, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and rebellion and sin. And so it's the mercy part of that description that we're shining a light on this week. The mercy of God is also something we see mentioned repeatedly in scripture and something that we all are in need of today. And so let's listen as Bill leads Elisa and Mart and Daniel in the study of the mercy of God.
1: Mart and Elisa, when the three of us first started doing this together, one of the very first guests we had was your pastor.
3: My Robert pastor. I love you. Robert Gelinas.
1: And uh, he came and talked to us about a book he had written entitled The Mercy Prayer. I remember that, yeah. And he calls it the most prayed prayer in the Bible. Mm. Yeah. And we know of places... The Canaanite woman asked Jesus, Lord, have mercy. The father who had the demon-possessed boys has, have mercy upon us. The two blind men outside Jericho, son of David, have mercy on us. So we And
3: Elisa do... prays it like five times a day, and yeah. the Lord, have yeah. mercy, <laughs> Lord, have mercy, yeah. Uh,
2: well, in any of our friends that are from liturgical backgrounds, the Curie, uh-huh. Lord, have mercy, Christ, yeah. have mercy, Lord, have mercy, is prayed every week. Right. Yeah. Mm.
1: right. So this idea of Lord have mercy. What I want us to explore a little bit in our conversations is what is this mercy that we're supposed to be seeking? Mm. And what got me thinking about this is some time ago, we had a series of conversations together on what I think, Mark, you feel is one of the most important texts in the whole Bible, Exodus 34, verses 6 and Mm. 7. It's
4: foundational.
1: Yeah. It's a text where, in a sense, God self-reveals his heart and spirit and character to Moses and describes himself in a Mm -hmm. very rich and interesting way. And as we were going through that, I just felt like some of these ideas were big enough that they deserved Mm. some conversations Mm -hmm. of their own. So we're going to do one of the elements of God's self-description, and it's the element of mercy. So Mm. before Mm. we look at the text, who can refresh us on the context that this was happening in?
2: Yeah, well, the title of chapter 34 in my Bible is Moses Makes New Tablets. Mm-hmm. and he had to do that because this isn't the first time that he's on the mountain when God reveals himself in this way it's the second time and uh, the first time he went up and God handed him this instruction that they call the law and he brought it down to the people and when he got back down he had been gone long enough that they decided they needed to have somebody build them a God to follow
4: they thought they had lost Moses right yep. he'd been up there 40 days Mhm. and uh Where'd Moses? They thought he lost him. So here they lost their God in the process.
2: Yep. And so Moses comes down and he's shocked to see them worshiping an idol. And Mm -hmm. so he breaks the tablets, drops them, throws them down, something, and they break. And so now he's back on the mountain again.
3: Mm -hmm. Round two.
1: Yeah. And I think the key piece to that is the natural inclination of those people, given the nature of the gods of the nations around them, when they failed with the golden calf, their natural inclination would have been to think, okay, this God is going to throw us away. Mm -hmm. He's going to be done with us. Mm -hmm. But the self-description that God gives is so far from that, Mm -hmm. that it's stunning. So Elisa, would you read Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7?
3: And the Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation.
1: And we talked about how that last phrase can really kind of mess us up in how we view God unless we understand that it's not talking about God judging great-grandchildren because of what their great-grandparents did. It's more the consequences and the fallout can have a generational
2: impact on a family, right?
4: Yeah, and on the ongoing consequences, because there had already been yeah. a huge price to pay. Yeah,
2: and I think the key is mercy for thousands, and in some translations it says thousand generations. Yeah, mm-hmm. So the idea is God's mercy and his love far out, ways out surpasses goes beyond even the consequences of brokenness that's good so
1: the lord the lord god merciful keeping mercy for thousands of generations i mean if you think about how many generations there have been even since moses experienced this on the mountain with god I mean, that's not thousands of generations, even since then, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. our day today. And yet for thousands, it's supposed to be hyperbolic. It's supposed to be like, don't even think in terms of a number. It's more than you could ever calculate. Yeah, yeah. Infinity yeah. and beyond. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So when he says the Lord merciful, keeping mercy, let's think about that idea of mercy in these conversations and the reality that mercy is not just something that God does. Yes, it says he's merciful and he keeps mercy. But as God describes himself, this is who he is. Mm -hmm. This is his very being. His being is the Lord merciful. So when we think of mercy, here it's the word rahum, and it means to love, but in loving, to show pity or sympathy or concern. So it's not just care, it's an active care.
3: It has the mm-hmm. idea of compassion in it or something, yeah. doesn't it, the way yeah, you're describing be, it?
1: Yeah, because it acts mm-hmm. on what it feels. It's one thing to say, I really care about this person who's going through a bad time. It's a different level when you act in response to that care and do something to try to help them in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the idea of mercy is aiming for here again it's a word that gets used a lot in the Old Testament there are a lot of evidences where God actually does show his mercy he acts on his care and his compassion when we pray the Kyrie Mm -hmm. the Lord have mercy God have mercy Christ have mercy on us what we're praying is that he will act Mm -hmm. in response to the things that we're dealing with and Mm -hmm. facing now, when you hear that, mm-hmm. what does that make you feel about God?
4: When I hear it, in the context of what had been happening, mm-hmm. it really raises questions because a lot of people had already died yeah. as a result of the worship of the golden calf. What thousands of people yeah. died? I think it was like three yeah, thousand. Yeah. And so you say, well, did they get mercy, or what? Who gets the mercy? Yeah. You know, going forward, who gets the mercy?
1: And I think in that case, one of the very first things that I heard when I was a student in Bible college and very young in my relationship with the Lord was that even God's acts of judgment are ultimately acts of mercy,
4: Hmm. Yeah.
1: which I think that's the only way against a God like the one you just read describing himself to us, Lisa. I think that's the only way you can understand judgment is if you see it as an expression of mercy at some point. Yeah. So I think in that case, probably everybody received mercy, but just in different ways. You
3: know, Daniel, you've led us in some conversations on justice. Mm-hmm. And mercy's connected to justice as well, which makes me think about how you just defined that, how you just mm-hmm. differentiated it, Bill. Mm-hmm. Can you speak into that?
2: Yeah. So the idea of justice is really God will make all things right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's rightness as God defines mm-hmm. it, not as we do. Yeah. And so the idea, whether it would be a loaded term like God's judgment or however God's working, God's mercy, the idea is that at some point we look back, Mm -hmm. maybe not in this world, but at the end of all time we'll be able to look back and say, yeah, God really was loving and kind and merciful and did what was right. I think that's
4: really important because for those who had died already, the mercy would have to be found beyond the veil Mm -hmm. of this life. Mm -hmm. And yet for the nation going forward, they still had an opportunity Mm -hmm. in life to see God's kindness.
3: And is there a way in which the slaying of those who had built the calf is a part of the justice, is a part of his mercy? It's not in contradiction necessarily. Right. For the
4: sake of those living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, whenever I start hearing discussion of justice, like you just gave us, Daniel, I think about the Bible project, who in dealing with justice, they remind us that, in the Western cultural mindset, when we think of justice, we think of retributive justice. Mm-hmm. We think of punishing Getting something, back. yeah, mm-hmm. someone for what they've done. But the Bible project says that in the Bible, most of the time, justice is not retributive; it's restorative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where mercy kicks in. Yeah, where mercy restores mm-hmm. the person who maybe expected judgment for that's what good. they had done. That's helpful. But what they get is restoration instead.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I think also. In this passage, it's tied to God's love, Mm -hmm. right? Because the other word for mercy in this passage is chesed, which we've talked about many times. And it's that long-suffering love that keeps pursuing and keeps following after and Mm -hmm. doesn't give up on Mm -hmm. his people. And that word, that idea is what kind of encompasses All of the rest of this, of his mercy, his grace, his long-sufferingness, his goodness, his truth that we see in this passage, it's all centered Mm -hmm. on and made possible by this pursuing relentless love that God has for people. Yeah, and
4: the scope is so huge, too, because this people now, this chosen nation who would continue to receive his kindness, if they were open to it, they've been chosen to be a light to the whole world. So it's not just about the nation. No. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not just about Moses, it's not just about the 3,000, it's not just about the nation. It's about how a merciful God wants to interact with his entire creation yeah. Yeah. at that point.
3: I read something by Richard Foster that talked about how the scriptures are filled with examples even in the Old Testament, things like laws, like the gleaning law, that would, you know, we read about in the book of Ruth, that would provide for the poor, or even the, the law of if somebody's going to borrow your ox, they would give a pledge of their coat, but you would have to take the coat back to them at nightfall because they might not have another coat. You know, we mm-hmm. read these things in Scripture and think, you know, mm-hmm. what does this matter, any of this stuff? But he suggests, and I think he's right, it reflects the heart, mm-hmm. the way you're talking yeah. about, the heart of God, that even in these laws that seem uh, silly, maybe, mm-hmm. to us, or minuscule, there is a heart behind mm-hmm. them.
2: And very much tied in with God's justice, because mm-hmm. so often when that idea is used, it goes on to describe who the most vulnerable people are, mm-hmm. and how he's calling his people who are to be a light to the nations, to defend and protect mm-hmm. and care mm-hmm. for the orphan, the mm-hmm. widow, those in need, the stranger, the immigrant, mm-hmm. and caring for them. Yeah.
1: I think all of this wraps into this idea of a love in action. mm mm-hmm. And that's really maybe the base definition Mm -hmm. of mercy. God's mercy is love in action. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that in one of the statements that we hear quoted almost as much as any statement you'll ever hear out of the Minor Prophets, Micah 6 verse 8, Mm -hmm. this is what the Lord requires, that you love justice, that you show mercy, do mercy, and you walk humbly with your God. Mm -hmm. Acts of mercy are not just what God does, but it's how we reflect that we're in relationship with him by engaging in those acts of mercy ourselves for others. And it doesn't come naturally. Mm-mm. No, We love it when people do acts of mercy for us. How often is our instinctive response to a situation to show mercy like we have been shown mercy by our God? And that's part of the challenge we want to explore a little bit mm. A lot of times in the afternoon, Marlene and I'll watch old Perry Mason reruns. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they know who their audience is because they always have these Medicare supplement ads. <laughs> and they always say, call this number to get all the benefits you deserve. Yep, yep. And every time I hear that, I kind of cringe a little. Oh,
2: man. Uh, <laughs> if we all had a dollar for every time a marketing campaign said something about what we're entitled to mm-hmm. or what we yeah. deserve or yeah. what we're owed. Get yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get, yeah. Yours. get <laughs> yours right now. And at that point,
1: you know, let's think about what we deserve.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Have you ever received a gift or a recognition or an accolade of some kind where you genuinely thought, I don't deserve this? And if so, what were your internal emotional operations at that moment of knowing or feeling strongly that you did not deserve it?
3: I once opened a talk, a sermon with that illustration. I had two boxes. One was beautifully wrapped and elegant, you know, like a Tiffany box kind of thing. The other was mishmash like it'd been beat up at the Postal Service <laughs> or something, you know, and stuff was coming out of the edges and such. And I actually, my illustration, because I felt like I didn't deserve either one. I didn't feel like I deserved mm. the beautiful gift. I hadn't done anything to deserve that. And I didn't feel like I deserved mm. the the messy-looking gift. I didn't feel like I... So that's where I go with this. I want to be in charge of what I get, bottom line. Mm. <laughs> <And> so.
2: <laughs> yeah. I,
4: where mine goes is just to the simple... Somebody says, oh, Mark, you're so thoughtful. And I'm thinking inside, if you only knew. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah,
3: I identify there, too.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I am struggling to answer this in a way that doesn't make me look bad. Because the only example I can think of are times when I've seen other people get what I thought I deserved in the way <laughs> I felt <laughs> then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll just act like I never said that. <laughs> are you competitive? I love it. I a little bit of it. humanity in
4: that, you, yeah. know, you know?
1: And I was in a similar place. In college, I played soccer. After the season ended, we had an end-of-the-year awards banquet. And the main award that everything else built up to was called Most Inspirational. And as the coach was getting ready to pass this out and he was describing all this, I leaned over to the guy next to me and he said, He's going to give that to Pudge. I know he's going to give that to Pudge. And, he gave it to me, Ooh. <laughs> and then I felt bad about resenting Pudge because <laughs> 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 I, I didn't feel like that was a very inspirational way for me to be acting. Well, in that at least moment. it showed
2: some humility. <laughs> <laughs> well, and hopefully Pudge is listening to this right well, now. So there
1: you he, go. He might be redemption, and we're friends on Facebook for whatever that's worth. So, <laughs> the things that we deserve theologically, we don't deserve much. <laughs> at least not much good Mm -mm. that's why grace is so important because grace is the favor god shows us that we couldn't deserve that we could never earn and that's why as the old saying goes that's why grace is so amazing Mm -hmm. the dictionary of bible themes defines the word mercy this way a quality of compassion especially as expressed in god's forgiveness of human sin Scripture stresses God's forbearance towards sinners. In his mercy, God shields sinners from what they deserve and gives gifts that they do not deserve. There
3: you go. Yeah.
1: In this conversation, we're talking about that last part, gives gifts that they do not deserve. So he's talking about a mercy that both shields and gives. Now, in Hmm. this conversation, we're going to talk about the giving side. In the next conversation, we'll talk about the shielding side. Okay. So. In order to experience the giving side of it a little bit, I'd like for us to go to Hebrews chapter 4, this very famous and familiar text on prayer. And uh, if one of you would read verse
2: 16. Sure. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
1: Okay, so it's in time of need And we're asking for mercy. So again, we're asking God to step in and act on our behalf in a time of difficulty. The context for this, Elisa, would you read verse 15?
3: For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin
1: that provides the context for why we can come boldly, why we can expect to receive mercy. The key thing is we think in terms of what we deserve, and we're kind of conditioned to that, Mm -hmm. especially in the West. We're conditioned to think in terms of what we do or don't deserve. But here, mercy is dispensed not based on who or what we are, what we deserve, but on who our priest is, Jesus, the one who has experienced life as we live it, He understands the struggles we have, and he chooses to give us gifts we don't deserve in the middle of that. Particularly, it says here, in our time of need.
2: Yeah, in this passage, the idea of a priest is one who goes in between, right? A mediator, someone who represents people before Mm -hmm. God and God before people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, in particular, was a high priest who suffered not only temptation, as uh, Elisa just read but came through that temptation and then laid down his life mm. to be that mediator mm. to represent God's love in that way.
1: And as a result, we can go to him and find a mercy that gives gifts that we don't deserve, but that we need.
4: You know, it's funny. I stumble over that because it's like, well, how can he understand if he's never failed? Mm. I mean, it's almost like he's pictured as this one who he gets, he deserves the affirmation of God. Mm-hmm. He deserves the pleasure of God because he does everything right, even if it was a challenge for him in the flesh. Mm-hmm. But he has never felt my shame. Well, maybe he did, huh? Yeah. In a different way.
3: And yeah, yeah. the cross, you're making a great point, Mart, because he didn't fail, and yet he did carry it. On the cross. And in that moment when the father turns his back, so to speak, figuratively speaking, you know, where he's cut off, mm. he must have felt our failures as if they were his own, because mm. he died for them as yeah. if they were his own.
2: Mm. And on the shame side of things, in an Eastern culture... Shame doesn't just carry with it personal responsibility, but it shames everyone in your family, and your community. It brings shame on, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So on the cross, feeling not only that shame on himself, but the communal shame that that would bring to those who were in attendance, seeing. Being treated as somebody who did deserve to be killed. Labeled Mm -hmm. a criminal. Yes.
1: And that may bring us back to this idea of mercy because... He took what he did not deserve so that he could give us what we don't deserve.
3: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that's well really
1: kind of what mercy yeah. is about, isn't it? I mean, all these people in the Bible praying, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Jesus makes that mercy possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he makes it possible by taking what we deserve and giving us what we don't deserve. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And what I also see here, too, is the the mercy is not a one-time thing mm. <laughs> at the end of this, right? So it's not that we received mercy yeah. and now it's done. And now who knows what's going to happen, that they may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there's like almost this ongoing nature mm. to this experience with God's mercy and grace that we see in this too. Mm-hmm.
3: Let us keep approaching the throne. Mm-hmm. In other words, let's keep on doing that every day, every minute of every mm-hmm. day right. to receive that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I almost feel like two people in this, and I don't know if anybody else feels it. Part of me says, okay, I know myself well enough to know how often I have not loved my neighbor as myself. How seldom I ever love God with all my... Whole I, I get that. But there's another part of me that says, but you know what, I didn't ask to be born. And in so many ways, I do the best I know how. <laughs> you know, And I'm wondering if a lot of people feel that way and might have a hard time really even seeing their need for mercy. Mm. Or am I just lost in my own head? I don't know. No,
1: I think all of us struggle the way we struggle. And it's a very personal thing. And I do think that in the kind of thing you're describing where the person says, I'm not accountable for anything Mm -hmm. necessarily because I didn't ask to be born. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for this life. I didn't ask to be made a citizen of this country at this point in history. And the reality is whether we asked for it or not, here we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we do have a certain responsibility for what we do with this. And recognizing that we can't fulfill that apart from the mercy of God Mm -hmm. is a really helpful thing, I think.
4: Yeah, and maybe if when God opens my eyes or he opens a person's eyes so they can actually see how much we've really messed up, maybe Mm -hmm. it takes his help, too, to see
2: that. Mm -hmm.
1: And sometimes maybe the help of those around us. Yeah our friends, our loved ones, our spouses to come in and say, hey, listen, you know, sometimes we just need, like you say, somebody else to help us see why we need mercy. And then once we see we need mercy, we know that through Jesus, we can go to the Father and find mercy and grace to help Mm -hmm. us in that time of need. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those times of need change, which means mercy is going to look different in different situations, right? Yeah, Because different needs will require a different kind of mercy.
4: Whether for intentional wrongs or for unintentional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: I like the word weakness in verse 15. Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. able to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. You know, who hasn't felt weak? Mm -hmm. You know, I get what you're saying, Mart. whether or not it's um, intentional error or whether or not it's just I'm weak. Didn't even know what I was doing. Didn't even know I was being selfish, you know, whatever. But our weaknesses is, is, to me, really our humanity, our human condition. Yeah of needing help.
2: Yeah. And I think sometimes too, when we read these passages, sometimes we have a tendency to focus so much on ourselves. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Right. But the beauty of this verse is what God does Mm. to have relationship with us. Mm. Right. So it's not even about, oh, you are such a whatever kind of person that you need God's mercy. It's, regardless of who you are, Mm. God's pouring his mercy out on you.
1: And I think it's because of that kind of overflowing nature of God's mercy that in Psalm 136, we read, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And again, we saw in the last conversation that he showed mercy to thousands of generations. This is a different way of saying the same thing, only more concretely, his mercy endures forever. And that means no matter who we are or what we do or don't do, we'll never overtax God's mercy. There's always going to be more than enough. Mm -hmm.
4: And so we pray over and over again, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a great line from Bill there at the end. No matter who we are or what we do, we'll never overtax God's mercy. That's a comforting thought and a fitting place to pause our conversation on the mercy of God. Uh, we'll talk more about this idea of getting what we deserve, not getting what we deserve, and not deserving what we get after a quick timeout. Now, as Bill leads this week, if you always enjoy the material that Bill brings to the table, I think you'll also enjoy and profit from a new book that's due to be released soon that he's written. It's one that grew out of a study that he led a few years ago here on Discover the Word that seemed to really strike a chord with you and all those who study with us. It's called One Thing, and so I would encourage you to pre-order a copy of Bill Crowder's book, One Thing is Necessary, The Wisdom of a Christ-Centered Life. Now, the Bible shows us again and again how one thing is necessary to thrive in trying times, and that is focus on God. And so this book is a fascinating journey through several places in the Bible where that term, one thing, shows up. And right now you can pre-order it ahead of its release on April 5th when you go to our website. Just look for a link to the book, One Thing is Necessary, when you go online to discovertheword.org. And now back to our discussion about the mercy of God on the Discover the Word podcast. Okay. In
1: the last conversation, we talked about times where maybe we got something we felt we didn't deserve. What about a time when you felt like you got what you deserved and you weren't all that happy about it?
2: Well, the way you asked the question sounds like we did something wrong and got Mm -hmm. what we deserved Mm -hmm. in a wrong way. I was hoping you were going to go on the positive side of it <laughs> and tell us about a time you earned something that you deserved and you were happy about it. Well,
3: your paycheck, for example. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, you've got it agreed upon salary or hourly and you've done your work and you punched your time card and the month comes and you get mm-hmm.
2: paid. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I remember in the past, I think we're probably around this table, Bill, we've had a conversation about an individual. And you may have even talked about it, a person who you thought was very gracious in saying, rather than fighting the criticism against him, said, you know what? You're right. I probably deserve far more mm. criticism than you're giving me right now. Mm. You know, just the idea of rather than mm. fighting it, mm-hmm. just saying, you know, if Embrace we really... It. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, it tends to be disarming yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. That may be very truthful.
1: Yeah, and then there's that. <laughs> <laughs> it could actually be the right thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting when there's a scandalous notorious trial taking place and it's being focused on in the media and then the verdict is given a lot of the times we think about that person who is on trial in terms of whether we've agreed or disagreed that they deserved what they got Mm -hmm. especially in the Mm -hmm.
3: sentencing round Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: that's what they deserve their actions deserve that Yeah. but i think if we were to be totally honest we would have to admit We don't have all the information. We don't have all the facts. We don't have all the evidence. But we still feel like we can say, well, this is what they deserved."
3: Well, anytime we stand in judgment of someone, we're really doing that, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And a lot of times that actually says more about ourselves Mm -hmm. than it does about them. That's a good
3: point.
1: In our last conversation, we focused more on the giving gifts that we don't deserve. But in this, it's shielding us maybe from consequences or judgment that mm-hmm. maybe we do deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a text, very familiar text, and it gets translated a variety of different ways, but there's a particular translation of it that I think really speaks into this issue and it's Lamentations 322 to23. This is the great lament either of Jeremiah or collected by Jeremiah over the fall and destruction of Jerusalem. And yet in the middle of this lament, almost directly in the middle of it, is this great statement on God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Lisa, would you read Lamentations 3, 22 and 23? Sure
3: thing. And I just want to echo, it's in the middle of verses like, he stretched out a measuring line and did not withhold his hand from destroying, or he made my teeth like gravel, or it's just woof. So in the middle of that comes these words. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness.
1: And obviously that last phrase gives us one of the most beloved hymns in the history of the church. Great is your faithfulness.
4: But you know, at least I'm stunned too by what you were saying before you read it, because it's it's in the setting of him saying, I've lost everything. Everything has been stripped away from me. And he's speaking out not just for himself, but for his nation.
3: And it's gruesome detail. It's very graphic.
4: He says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this awful time Mm -hmm. as I grieve over my loss. And then he says, yet I still dare to hope.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and Bill, you mentioned the beloved hymn, which mostly focuses on very positive things in life happening. But this phrase takes on a whole different, Meaning, when you're looking at it, great is your faithfulness in the midst of this Mm -hmm. setting, when everything bad in the world is happening to you. That's right.
1: When we think about this phrase, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. There's a statement in there that apparently, as Jeremiah is saying this, he feels to some degree that he deserves to be consumed. But mercy is forestalling that. And at that point, for those of us in a New Testament perspective, that mercy's is named Jesus mm-hmm. because he inserted himself into our failures and what we deserved. And he took what we deserved to give us, again, what we don't deserve. And uh, when I was very young, as a student in Bible college, one of the profs said, Grace is getting what you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mm -hmm. And this Lamentations 3.22, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, would seem to underline at least the the mercy side of that equation.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you think that kind of builds off on, you know, when we've talked about what sin and brokenness are often and the consequences that come as a Mm -hmm. result— you think that's almost what's being referred to here as well, is oftentimes the consequences of our bad decisions lead to very self-destructive things. And it's almost God's mercy that often steps in and we're not consumed Mm -hmm. in the way that we should be by the consequences Mm -hmm. that we would expect.
1: And in this context, I wonder if that's not exactly what Jeremiah's thinking. I mean, God had warned Israel years before that if they behaved in certain ways, Mm -hmm. that he would send a worse nation than them as an instrument of correction for them as a nation. Mm -hmm. And now that's happening. Mm -hmm. And as Jeremiah looks around, it's almost like, just think how much worse it would be if it wasn't for God's mercy. Yeah, this is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And yet, because of God's mercy, we're not consumed. There is going to be a remnant. There is going to be an ongoing nation of Israel in spite of everything that's happening right now because of God's mercy.
2: Yeah. And I almost think of it too, in a personal way, we will use phrases like, he was consumed with rage Mm -hmm. or he was consumed by, Mm -hmm. you know, greed Mm -hmm. or something that overtook his life. And it's almost like in our lives, all of us have that tendency to let rage overtake us Mm -hmm. or to see things that we want and to want more and more of what we have enough of already or whatever. And it's almost like God's mercy. We can see that in our lives in those moments when we're not consumed by those desires even.
1: Yeah. When I think of the idea of being consumed by something like you're describing, Daniel, I don't know, but that this isn't what Jeremiah is talking about. What they're experiencing is ultimately the consequences of their choices. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though they might have been consumed in their choices, they're not going to be utterly consumed in the consequences because the God that introduced himself to this people on Sinai is still the God Mm -hmm. who shows mercy. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's a mercy that shields from what we do deserve as opposed to giving us what we don't deserve.
4: And there must have been that national sense to it, too, Bill, as well as the personal because here they were, they'd been, as you indicated, crushed, defeated, in exile, and yet there was still a remnant. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be that these are people who do believe in the everlasting mercies of God. Mm -hmm. So he dares to hope in a God who, whether in this period of their lives Mm. or, I guess, beyond the veil, would be a God of mercy. He dares to hope in this God, even when, as Elisa, you were saying, Everything seems to have been consumed yeah. materially speaking.
3: There's a now and not yet kind of not being consumed yeah. to it. You know, so to put together what you said, Daniel, and what you said, Mart, you know, is that he holds us back from the abyss of being completely given over to our lust or anger or whatever. Yeah. But he also shields us from the eternal consequences yeah. as well. You think of consuming, I typically think of the eternal And so the daily application that you brought up, Daniel, really helps me. But they're both so helpful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it doesn't mean that it always works out. True. Because there are times where I'm still somewhat consumed by anger or whatever, right? But it
3: goes back to our previous conversation where we have a high priest that we can go to in Mm -hmm. a time of need. We need not necessarily, as Paul, Mm -hmm. I can now not sin. Yep. You know, I have hope. I have another way out.
4: Dare to hope in him. Yeah, Yeah.
1: And what we're daring to hope in is specifically his mercies. Yeah, For Jeremiah to be able to make this statement in the middle of that context really flavors how I view trials and difficulties in my life. Because no matter how bad situations may have become in my life, I've never been through this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, if Jeremiah can say this in the midst of his circumstances, that through God's mercies he's not consumed, Mm -hmm. what am I going to face today that can be? be consumed that's greater than the mercies of God that's rescuing
2: yeah. you know Bill the other thing that jumps out to me here is you have the words steadfast love and mercies again which mm-hmm. is where we started our whole series 34 yeah. yeah and looking at the words in Hebrew it's the same two words rahum and hesed yeah. so God's steadfast love mm-hmm. and his compassion is merciful compassion being connected there. And so, again, his love is the anchoring piece to his mercy and compassion that's relentless.
3: I guess that's Mm -hmm. why some translations say it's because of God's great love. Other translations use the word mercy. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And again, they're not exactly totally interchangeable. So sometimes I get frustrated with translators (laughs) because the way they (laughs) choose to use words, I just want it to be clear. I mean, (laughs) as clear as it can be. Yeah. And when words are used interchangeably that are not necessarily interchangeable, that kind of clouds the issue. Look at Psalm 25, verses 6 and 7. Daniel, would you read those? Sure. This is David praying for a mercy that will shield him from the
2: blowback of his choices.
1: Listen to how he prays. Hmm.
2: Psalm 25, verse 6. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord.
1: Hmm. Now, twice in that translation of it, he uses the word mercy. He asks God to remember, not on the basis of who he is, but on the basis of this Exodus 34 God that had been introduced Mm -hmm. to the nation. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies. Remember who you said you are. But the other thing at the end, which I think is so striking, he says, according to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, Mm -hmm. for the sake of your own goodness. Mm -hmm. And I think we live so much in our own personal bubbles. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That so much of our prayers are all about us and us and us and us. And even when we're asking God to work, it's so much about us and us and us. But here for David, even as he's seeking mercy in a time of brokenness, he's asking for it for God's sake, not Mm. just for his Mm -hmm. sake. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty shocking Mm. to me because I don't feel that in my prayers very often.
4: But he still thinks he'll be the benefactor (laughs) Oh, God <laughs> for goodness sake. It, it's not like there's yeah.
1: nothing good attached to it for him. Right. No, absolutely, but he's still praying for it for God's sake yeah. as well. And I wonder sometimes if maybe part of the reason why my own prayers can feel a little sterile and tepid is because I am so consumed in the me of it mm-hmm. that I don't really factor in how this impacts God and how he is seen in his world that yeah. he's made.
2: And I think that's why sometimes it's so helpful when we pray and ask God for something that ultimately we ask, what is best for me, for your glory and for the world? Mm -hmm. He's the only one that has the perspective, the goodness, the love to be able to do what's truly best Mm -hmm. for his glory, the Mm -hmm. good of the world and our good. Mm
1: -hmm. And so for the sake of his goodness, we can pray, Lord, have mercy. Let your mercies prevent me from being consumed even by the consequences of my own choices that I probably
0: deserve. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard it said that it's always good to know the difference between what you're getting and what you deserve. And certainly true in this discussion about the mercy of God. Well, this next segment, Bill wants the group to think about how the mercy of God interacts with our salvation. Do you have a faith story, a story of how you came to faith Jesus Christ? When's the last time you told that story? Well, we each have our own individual story of how we came to Christ. The place, the circumstances, the people, it is your story and it's worth telling. But as unique as your story is, according to the Apostle Paul, there's something about your story that is not unique that you have in common with every other follower of Christ. And so we'll discover what that is, In this part of the conversation, that begins with all of them giving us the the short version of each of their stories of faith.
1: What was your experience of coming to faith? How did it all kind of happen? Christian home, go to church your whole life, or was it a later in life kind of experience? How did it happen for you?
4: For me, it was a Christian home early on, I mean, really early, and then recalling along the way, having experiences of faith that I can't to this day really explain. Mm-hmm. But then later in high school, really struggling, just kind of having lost my way, and then graciously on a Sunday evening coming back. And mm-hmm. and again, I cannot explain how I was just taken apart at that point, mm-hmm. literally sitting there on the bench shaking, and I knew I had to resolve it. Wow. So that's mm-hmm. just kind of in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm.
3: So my mom dropped us off at the neighborhood church every Sunday, she was a single mom, and I fell in love with God, but I didn't understand how I could have a relationship with him until in high school with a ministry called Young Life. And I heard the gospel differently. And I was like, oh, you know, and here's how I can respond to this love. And so that's when I gave my life Mm. over to God. Mm
2: -hmm. I think I was kind of struck by the way you worded the question, Bill, coming to faith. Mm -hmm. Because I think that aspect of journey and that it's a process and mm. that it keeps, like, things keep going mm. is important in my story. Because, I mean, there were times I grew up in a Christian home, church, school, so I was in very tight Christian bubble. And there was a moment really early on when I felt like I needed to respond and do what people call giving your heart to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then looking back later in high school, looking back on that, I was like, man, I didn't know what I was doing. So then I kind of redid it. (laughs) And (laughs) now I look back on that and go, I didn't know what I was doing then. Mm. And I don't know that there's Mm. this need to keep saying certain words or something like that. But there is a very journey aspect Mm. to learning who Jesus is, to learning who God is, to following for a little bit, and then maybe not following for a little bit, and then following a little bit more, and then realizing how God pulls us further ahead of whatever. So there's a very long answer. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) You've had a very long journey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Three very different answers. Mine is kind of a A mix in the fact that I grew up going to church, but it was not a church that presented the story of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins and rising from the grave that I might have life. I never heard that as a kid going to church. That wasn't what church was about. And to the journey aspect, when I became a late teenager out of high school, out in the workforce working, I encountered a couple of people who genuinely were followers of jesus and they began to influence me towards something that seemed very foreign to me mm-hmm. even though i'd gone to church my whole life mm. then ultimately i ended up coming to christ at bible college which you <laughs> you're know, already there Yeah, i kind of felt like c.s lewis it's like the mouse hunting for the cat or something you know <laughs> um, each of us have a very different story yeah. a very different experience But there's one thing in common and that's that none of us would have ever experienced the forgiveness of god if it wasn't for his mercy Mm. we're talking in these conversations about the mercy of god we've seen that mercy is you could say a component of who he is an aspect of who he is or you could just say it's who he is mercy is just who god is sometimes that mercy gives us what we don't deserve and we've seen that sometimes that mercy shields us from what we do deserve today i want us to see how mercy interacts with our salvation now when we use the word salvation in a new testament context it's very different than the way that it's used in the old testament isn't it Mm -hmm. how's the word salvation used in the old testament
2: often salvation from enemies Mm -hmm. so the people were saved from the amalekites or hittites Mm -hmm. or something like a national rescue yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah deliverance and so when you have these salvation history psalms, mm-hmm. usually what they're recounting is something about the Exodus yeah. Yeah. and how God rescued them and saved them out of bondage in Egypt and so forth. In the New Testament, it's much more personal as we tend to think about it. To that end, to see how mercy interacts with that, Titus 3, verses 4 and 5 This is uh, a letter Paul is writing to one of his young protégés, a young pastor on the island of Crete. And maybe a couple of you could read it, Titus 3, verses 4 and 5.
3: Mine says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy.
1: Okay. I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on how the mercy of God interacts with our salvation. I've heard a lot of them about how his love does, but we're looking specifically at the mercy of God. And here he says, it's because of his mercy that he has saved us. So does that seem different to you or does it sound like just semantics?
2: I mean, how does it feel? I do see that it it seems tied first to this idea of not because of righteous things we have done. Yeah. We're not rescuing ourselves. Yeah. Right, and that's being made clear early on in this verse. He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, or as Paul says in other places, not by works, lest anyone mm-hmm. should boast yeah. as mm-hmm. if they have rescued themselves or yeah. saved themselves, but because of his mercy.
3: Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. I'm guessing too that because of Paul's own story, that had to color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His, because his of his
3: long here. list of credentials of all the reasons he could boast that he gives in one of his letters, that kind of a thing. I mean, well, I was
4: thinking more of the terrible things that he did. Right, yeah. but all of his training, yeah, and his all training of his on the positive, obedience to the law. Yeah, on the positive side.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And then on the negative side, the way he had mm-hmm. just created mayhem among Jewish countrymen mm-hmm. who were turning to Jesus.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And even his negative side, he would have, before meeting Jesus, yes. defined that as his righteous works. Yeah, he would. Right? right? Like he was defending God, protecting God's name. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, until he ultimately came to the place where he said, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, I think about the story that Jesus told of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and they both go to the temple. And the Pharisee prays, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like this dirty, rotten tax collector, blah, blah, blah. I do this, and I do this, and I do this. Well, it's not that. And the tax collector pounds himself in the chest, which was a symbol of grief Mm -hmm. and mourning, and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I heard a Bible teacher say one time that the way that verb translates most literally is, God, make a mercy seat available for me. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, because I love that. as a tax collector, he would have been excluded from temple hmm. worship. The mercy seat would have not been available. So he's not even able hmm. to go in. And he's asking, is there going to be a mercy seat for me? And the answer is yes. It's the one who's telling that story. Uh, Jesus himself becomes the mercy seat.
3: And some people might not know what a mercy seat is. Can you just give a it's word or two on It's symbolism, isn't uh-huh, it? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: In the tabernacle and then later temple, in the Holy of Holies, there was a box which contained tablets of the law. We started this off in Exodus 34, where Moses had to go get new tablets of stone Mm -hmm. for the law to be carved on. And it contained those tablets. And the cover for that box was pure gold, and it was called the mercy seat. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in with the blood of a sacrifice and apply it to that mercy seat to cover the sins of the people for another Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what that tax collector is asking. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to go to that mercy seat. God, Mm -hmm. can you even make a mercy seat for me? Mm -hmm.
4: And that's what he does in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And you think of what basically what we in our humanity did to him, not recognizing him because we were so lost yeah. and took out our anger on him and yet he had the spirit of Father forgive them. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're doing.
1: And that was mercy in both senses that we've talked about. It was a mercy to shield us from what we deserved mm-hmm. and a mercy to give mm-hmm. us what we don't deserve. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. The other thing I see in this is just how much God is at work mm-hmm. in Titus. But mm-hmm. when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, mm-hmm. right? it wasn't something they conjured up, they created, they mm-hmm. didn't you know, convince God to do it all of a sudden, God's love and kindness appears. It shows up. He saved us, not because of what we've done, but because of his mercy. So Mm -hmm. it's like it appeared, he rescued us, his mercy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. this work that God is doing. And
4: then we enter in by faith,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not
1: what we do. It's all about what he has done on our behalf. And as we've been looking at the mercy of God this week, we're also looking at the God of mercy. It's not just what he's done, it's who he is. Mm-hmm. Why would this kind of God want to do anything for us anyway? I mean, we don't deserve it, we've talked mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. We were his though,
4: he made us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a father, as a parent, you can identify with what you, it was this love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: it was this way in which he looks at us, he made us, it's like any parent would do for a child. You want to make a way forward when they can't you make You reach their out in mercy and in mm-hmm. love and in mm-hmm. compassion,
1: yeah. So no matter what your faith story is, no matter what your journey has been, or how you came to belief in Christ and being in relationship with God, at its core, none of that happens apart from God's mercy. Mm -hmm. I love the way Peter put it in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, that's the story. That's
0: the whole story. Yeah, mercy is just who God is. He saves us because of his mercy. That part of this conversation was a compelling reminder of our utter dependence on God's mercy for our salvation. Well, we will wrap up this episode of the Discover the Word podcast about the mercy of God after this short preview of what we'll be talking about in our next podcast.
3: You guys, have you ever struggled to respond with a yes when you feel like God has been inviting you into a service role? I have found myself going, but, 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 God, you don't know who I am. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. really mean me, right? I want us to dive into almost a character study of one human being in the Old Testament. God came to this person in a very dramatic way and invited him into an important role of serving. And his first response was to go, but, 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 but. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to look at excuses we tend to make to God.
0: Yeah, that's where we go next. But, 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 excuses that we make to God. Join Elisa Morgan, Marty Hahn, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day for that study on the next Discover the Word podcast. And now let's look at a familiar passage in Romans that will help us think about our response to this merciful God and the mercies he's extended to us.
3: I don't know about you, but I think about mercy a lot, and I don't really realize it until I go, mercy! You know, <laughs> I was just like, I, I'll drop something in mercy, or I'll look at the news, and I'll go, mercy. Mm-hmm. Why do I do that? Why do I cry out for mercy? What do you think that phrase really means? Well,
4: I want to know whether or not you lived with someone first who used to say it that way. No! <laughs> no, no really? and that's a yeah. No,
3: my mom never, neither did my grandmother. I don't know where I've
4: No other that. real influential person in your life that used to say no, mercy? No, Mark, you don't live with us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no no uh-uh. and why is that the word I go to because I don't mean it like you know you just it's not a filler word I really mean it yeah I don't know that I mean it the way Bill is leading us <laughs> but I do mean I need help okay I do mean that yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. or your kid needs help or the world yeah, yeah, needs yeah help, yeah. Or, yeah and I wonder you know we started off this series of conversations talking about Robert Gelinas's book mercy prayer, how Lord have mercy is the most prayed prayer in the Bible. Yeah. And liturgically, it continues to be prayed today. And I remember my grandmother, when something would happen, she just shake her head and say, Lord have Lord mercy. Lord have mercy.
2: Yeah. 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 Mm. Or when we run into the bigness of the world mm. or when we run into how small we are compared to the problems that we see yeah. in the world. Because the only time I have used that phrase, Lord have mercy, is usually mm-hmm. in a situation where somebody's like, You need to watch the news right now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I turn it on and what I see happening, it's like mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. all you can respond because yeah, of right. what you're seeing that's happening. Right.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, it's that mercy that we've been talking about in these conversations and uh regardless of whether it's kind of a knee-jerk response like you're describing, Elisa, Mm -hmm. or whether it's something that we heard as a child, I don't think it's inappropriate to look at the struggles in our world and ask the God of mercy to show mercy in that situation Mm -hmm. or to those people. And I do think there's something actually kind of healthy about that Mm -hmm. because if we only ask for mercy about us and ours, then we don't think God's mercy is very big. Mm -hmm. But if we think his mercy might be big enough For them and theirs, too. All that does is, I think, elevate the idea of God's mercy.
2: It would almost be helpful if it became a knee-jerk reaction for all of us. So maybe, Elisa, you can help us (laughs) (laughs) for every situation of life. Well,
1: we have seen Exodus 34 again where we heard this. Majestic self description of God, the Lord, the Lord merciful, showing mercy to thousands of generations. And we've been looking at what that looks like. Sometimes it might look like giving us gifts we don't deserve. Sometimes it might look like restraining perhaps things we do deserve. And then last time we saw mercy as a driving force behind our salvation, as we see that in the New Testament. In this final conversation, I want us to land where Elisa always wants us to land and that's on the so what, (laughs) right? Thank you, Uh, Phil. You're welcome. (laughs) How do we respond to the mercies Mm -hmm. that we have received from God over and over again? What should be our reaction to this kind of God who has shown mercy to us in so (laughs) many different ways? And the very simple answer comes in Romans 12 verse one. And even though I say it's a very simple answer, I think there's going to be some stuff in there for us to chat about. So, Daniel, would you read Romans sure. twelve one?
2: Yeah, and it starts with a therefore. Yeah. And we're supposed to ask, what's the therefore, right? When what's we the see there therefore, therefore? therefore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what we see there, I mean, 11 chapters of Paul building on these big theological Mm -hmm. ideas of what God has done and how Jesus has rescued us from sin and death and how that's impacted the whole world and not just us. And then even right before this in 1133, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments. So even with this awareness of God's bigness. Yeah, and and
4: even before that, verse 32, so that he could have mercy. On everyone. So, like you said, the first 11 chapters are all building that case for mercy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then he's overwhelmed. And then he says, therefore. Therefore. I I urge you, (laughs) brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Yeah.
1: And another way you could say it is, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of the mercies of God. The urging is to respond to mercy. Mm -hmm. So what does that response look like? What does he say?
3: Offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship.
4: Yeah. So it assumes being overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also
1: assumes that you can't experience this mercy without somehow responding to it. It almost demands a response out of us. And the demand is going to look something like a sacrificial offering Mm-hmm. But not one that's killed, one that's living.
4: It's like, I'm yours. Yeah. You've done all this for me. I'm yours. Yeah. It's a
3: great way to put it, Mart. Yeah.
2: And going back to the 11 chapters, he's been describing what Jesus, the sacrifice, did mm-hmm. on behalf of the world mm-hmm. and on behalf of us. Yeah. And it's almost an invitation here to become like Jesus, except instead of that death on a cross as an ultimate thing, The resurrection of jesus invites us to be living sacrifices people that lay down our lives on behalf of others but continue with the opportunity to lay down our lives because he laid down his life for us yeah Yeah. so
3: this is where it gets a little either or but and whatever you want to call it but we can't do anything to save ourselves we were looking at in our last conversation there's nothing that we can do to heap mercy on ourselves god does it okay but here is something we can do and i think the way we set this up bill is it's not in in order to it's because of yeah it's this is a response yeah you know so jesus made the sacrifice we're not improving his sacrifice we're not adding to his sacrifice we're responding Mm -hmm. to his sacrifice i
1: think that's exactly what paul is calling us to and to recognize that his sacrifice deserves a response we talked earlier about deserving and not deserving Mm -hmm. how could we look at what jesus did for us Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm not just in the cross, but I mean, even in the incarnation, even just becoming human and then even further going to the cross yeah. on our behalf. How can we not respond? It's almost surprising that he feels the need to use the word urge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ought to be just a given. Hmm. But I think all of us know that life gets in the way of our best intentions.
4: Yeah, and it assumes that we get it. And, yeah. and, and even if we at one time got it, mm-hmm. we can so easily, like you said, Mm-hmm. Forget it.
3: Yeah. Well, and it's not it's not essential for our salvation.
4: What isn't?
3: Our response. I mean our okay. we are not adding anything to our salvation, but it certainly does add to our relationship and our worship. Worship is for him, mm-hmm. but we can participate or not. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of mind blowing to get our heads around it. We're not going to get credit for it. No. We're not going to mm-hmm. get demerits if we don't.
1: Yeah. No, but what we get is the joy of participating with God and yeah. what he's doing, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. Yeah. That's, in a sense, the so what. We get to partner with God and yeah. what he's mm-hmm. doing.
3: So when we cry out mercy yeah. when something happens, you know, it, it is our response and our offering for his sacrifice. It's our offering back, but it's also a coverage over all that still needs mercy mm-hmm. yeah. in our universe.
4: And this echoes, Bill, what you talked about, and we referred to Micah in one of our other conversations. Mm-hmm. Do, mercy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Do mercy. Do mercy. Do mm-hmm. mercy. And walk
1: humbly with God. Yes. And, and, and love justice. <laughs> there are a lot of times where we focus on the justice and mercy and we lose the humility part. Yeah. Because we think, man, I'm doing all this good justice or I'm mm-hmm. look at all the mercy I'm showing and we forget. All that's only possible because we're responding to the mercies yeah. that he's shown us.
2: Yeah, justice and mercy is only possible from a place of humility. Yeah, right. Exactly. Otherwise, even those people you try to help, mm. it, right? There's books on when helping hurts because we yeah. think we have something that mm. they need and they need us for it. Mm. It's only when people step in humbly in those situations yeah. that yeah. they truly are helpful. That's good, yeah. good, yeah. um, And I also wonder, too, you mentioned urge. I wonder if that's also because of where this chapter goes, right? Immediately after that, he says, don't be conformed. Don't be shaped by this current that's happening in the Mm -hmm. world that's going to pull you away from wanting to be a holy and living sacrifice, right? Instead of laying down your interests, we live in a world that's all about pursuing my own interests, right? So I almost think that's where that urge is coming from as well as like, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it
3: applies to both mm -hmm. of those clauses. There's
2: Mm -hmm. this current in the world that's trying to take you a different direction. But in Christ, we see a very different current, Mm -hmm. and we're being caught up in that current as a living and holy sacrifice, too.
1: And the remainder of the book of Romans Mm -hmm. talks about what it looks like to live in that space. Absolutely. It's Uh, all
3: acted out now. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, the thing is that, in a sense, as somebody said, there are no truly secret disciples of Jesus, because if you have Jesus in your life, eventually it's going to leak out somewhere on someone It's going to be manifested in some way. And I think
2: what Paul's saying is put that front of mind, not back of mind. Mm -hmm. The only word that trips me up a little bit in here is a living and holy sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That feels like a very pressure-oriented word, (laughs) but it shouldn't be pressure based on the fact that this is a response to God's mercy. So how do we unpack that word Mm -hmm. holy or set apart because it feels like I'm supposed to, okay, now be perfect or something.
1: The way the word holy is used in church world today sets it up as almost like
2: moral perfection.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's not what the word means. The word means something that's dedicated to God for Mm -hmm. his use. And all he's saying is, let the God whose mercy has rescued you be the God whose mercy works through you to accomplish his purposes in the world. We talk about personal holiness like it's moral perfection that I achieved somehow. That couldn't be further from the truth. What it is, is this is what it means to live a life that is committed to following Jesus by his grace and in his strength through his
0: mercy. Yeah. Great conclusion to these conversations about the mercy of God. Thank you, Bill, for leading us in this discussion. I think we've all been challenged to take a deeper look at mercy and commit ourselves again to following Jesus by his grace, in his strength, and through his mercy. You've been listening to another episode of the Discover the Word podcast with Bill Crowder, Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, and Daniel Ryan Day. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to Discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Now Discover the Word is part of Our Daily Bread Ministries where for the last 80 plus years, we've been telling the story of Jesus thanks to the financial partnership of listeners and friends who share our mission to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. And so if you'd like to give a one-time gift or give a recurring monthly gift as a Discover the Word partner, well, click on the Donate button at discovertheword.org. You can give safely and securely right there. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.